Chapter Two of A Treatise of Earthly Mindedness by Jeremiah Burroughs. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Earthly Mindedness Discovered in Nine Particulars. The first is this when a man looks upon earthly things as the greatest things of all, when he hath a high esteem of earthly things, as the things, as such. Oh, if I had such and such things as others have! oh how happy should i be how happy are such and such men that do enjoy such earthly things at their will in their dwellings their furniture their comings in oh these are the brave things these are the delightful things these are the things wherein felicity and happiness doth consist when men shall promise to themselves felicity in any earthly things then they mind earthly things i remember goldmouth chrysostom hath a speech of a covetous man that he looks upon his money and he sees more beauty in his money than in the very sun itself that shines in the firmament when men look upon the things of the earth as the most beautiful things in their eyes certainly that man is in a distemper when he puts such a high esteem upon any earthly things this esteem is not according to what god and his saints do put upon earthly things god never puts any great eminency on any earthly thing he never made any earthly things to be any great conduit or means of conveyance of any great good from himself unto his creature if you would know what your heart are you may know it by this one sign as much as any what do you account your excellency according to what any man or woman accounts their excellency to consist in so are their hearts their hearts are suitable in the twenty-seventh chapter of Genesis, twenty-eighth and thirty-ninth verses, you shall find there Isaac, blessing of Jacob and Esau. He blesses them both, but now what I would observe is this, the difference in the placing of them, you shall observe, the blessing of Jacob in the twenty-eighth verse. Therefore God giveth of the dew of heaven, and the fatness of the earth, and plenty of corn and wine. That's Jacob's blessing now look to esau's blessing for the blessing was suitable to their disposition and jacob's father answered and said unto him behold thy dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above mark isaac blesses them both with the dew of heaven and fatness of the earth but now in jacob's blessing the dew of heaven is first and the fatness of the earth is in the second place but in esau's blessing the fatness of the earth is first and then the dew of heaven noting this that a godly man indeed doth stand in need of the things of the earth as christ saith your father knows you stand in need of these things ay but the great thing in the first place that a godly heart doth mind it is the dew of heaven and then in the second place the blessing of the earth but now a carnal heart doth think it hath some need of the things of heaven it will acknowledge that ay but in the first place it's the fatness of the earth they desire and secondly the dew of heaven so that's the first thing earthly-minded men look upon these things as the high and chief things and hence it is that the choice of the thoughts of an earthly-minded man is carried out on worldly objects secondly when the cream and choice of the thoughts of men and women are busied about earthly things then they mind earthly things in a sinful manner you may know what your hearts are by your thoughts as much as anything the thoughts are the immediate evolutions or risings up of the heart as i may so call them that is the bubbles that come from the heart immediately a man cannot know what is in his heart so much by words and actions as by the thoughts because the thoughts immediately spring from the heart 
as thus i can tell what the water is in such a fountain better from that that bubbles up immediately from the fountain-head than i can tell by the water that runs in a stream a mile or two off for there may many things intervene in the stream a mile or two off that never came from the fountain-head but that that immediately bubbles from the fountain-head that discovers of what nature the fountain is so the thoughts are as it were the first-born of the heart and therefore the heart may be known what it is by the thoughts proverbs twenty three seven saith the holy ghost there as he thinketh in his heart so is he that which is here spoken in a particular case may be applied in the general as a man thinks in his heart so is he as his thoughts are so is he so is the heart as the thoughts of the mind are men may keep in words and actions out of by respects ay but if you could know what the heart is and look into the haunts of it in secret that would discover to yourselves what you are as now many of your servants when they are in your presence before you or before others they may out of diverse respects carry themselves fairly but if you would find them out labour to know what they do when they are alone in their private haunts so would you know your own hearts do not so much look at them and take a scantling of them by how you behave yourselves in words and actions before others but what they are in your private chambers what they are in the inward thoughts of the mind there the heart comes to be discovered most and by these thoughts i do not mean every kind of injection or suggestion for sometimes the devil may cast in evil thoughts into the most holy but i mean such thoughts as are sweet to the soul whereby the soul comes to suck out sweetness and contentment for that's the minding earthly things when you find the strength of your thoughts to be upon the things of the earth and they are more suitable to your hearts than any other it is not when through weakness the mind may be wandering this way or that way or through suggestions or temptations but now when men or women are most themselves when alone and free then for to examine what are the most suitable thoughts to their hearts can you say when you are alone oh the very thoughts of god are sweet to me i meditate in his law day and night and suck out sweetness there as from an honeycomb but an unclean wretch will suck out sweetness of his unclean thoughts when he is alone and so the earthly-minded man will suck out the sweetness of his earthly thoughts and so the ambitious man the sweetness of his pride when he is alone and these are the most contentful thoughts to him he can run along if it be two or three hours together and take delight and pleasure in them here's earthly-mindedness the third thing is this an earthly-minded man is one whose heart cleaves to the earth for so i told you the word was not only to mind but to savour the things of the earth his heart doth cleave to the earth the psalmist in a far different case said that his soul did cleave to the dust but it's true of many men in this case that i am speaking of their very souls do cleave to the dust their spirits are mixed with the earth and therefore they are drossy though it may be they have some good common gifts some good natural parts and some workings of the holy ghost upon them yet their spirits are drossy because they are mixed with the earth discourse never so much to these men of the vanity of the things of the earth they will give you the hearing but when you have done all their souls do cleave to the earth and discourse never so much to them of the excellency of heavenly things they will hear you but when you have done all their soul still cleaves to the earth as a man whose soul cleaves in love to a woman as it is said of samson his soul did cleave to delilah talk what you will against that woman or of the excellency of any other woman yet his soul cleaves to that woman so it is in an earthly-minded man 
let what will be said against the things of the earth or what can be said in the setting forth of the excellency of the things of heaven yet his soul cleaves to the earth as the serpent's belly did to the dust of the ground that's an earthly-minded man fourthly an earthly-minded man it on whose heart is filled with distracting cares about the earth what he shall eat and drink and what he shall put on how he shall provide for himself and his family and what shall become of him at such a time though he be well now yet what may become of him afterwards when the heart is filled with distracting cares about the things of the earth so far as the heart hath these prevailing over it so far such a man may be judged to be earthly there are two things that do cause distracting cares about any business the first is an apprehension of some very great evil in case i should be disappointed i look upon my disappointment in such a thing as a most intolerable evil to me if i should be disappointed i know not what in the world to do that's the first the second is an uncertainty in the means for the preventment of this disappointment when as i look upon disappointment as a very great evil so those means that should prevent and help me against disappointment i cannot trust to i look upon them as too weak to help me notwithstanding all such means i may yet be disappointed this causes distracting thoughts so it is in the things of the earth an earthly-minded man or woman hath his thoughts filled with distracting cares about the world that is thus first they looking upon the things of the world as such great things they conceive if they should be disappointed they should be undone they look upon it as such a fearful unsufferable evil to be deprived of their estate and outward comforts in this world secondly they don't look upon the means of provision for themselves and families as having any certainty in it which is a main thing to be considered of as for outward things in the world they find by experience there is uncertainty in them and then for any promise that there is in scripture that god will provide for them and their families alas they dare not trust to that's a thing that of all means they think to be the weakest lord have mercy upon them say they if they have nothing else to trust to but only a word in scripture they think themselves most miserable and wretched but now it would be otherwise with the soul if it were not earthly minded it would not be at any great pause how things do fall here in the matters of the world it's true perhaps i may miscarry in such a business and my estate may be taken from me by the chaldeans or sabaeans as job's was but i shall not be undone my happiness is not gone i shall have that that will comfort me when all that is gone suppose the worst yet this will not undo me indeed a man that sends abroad in a venture all his whole estate he is very solicitous because if there be ill news about it he is undone but another man that hath a great deal of riches house and lands and a stock at home to maintain him and his family if there comes such ill news i have a stock to live on he thinks therefore he is not so much solicitous so a worldly man all his stock is in the earth there's his only portion and if he miscarries there he is undone but a godly man though he hath the things of the earth yet he hath something else treasures in heaven to rest upon besides the earth and therefore he is not so solicitous and then for the second the uncertainty of means and help if a godly man looks upon outward causes he sees all is uncertain but he hath a promise to rest upon i will never leave you nor forsake you cast your care upon me for i care for you and this he looks upon as a certain means and help whatsoever falls out he is a promise that he can build upon and therefore this takes off his solicitous cares but an earthly-minded man or woman whose heart is filled with distracting cares because he look upon himself as undone if he miscarries here 
and hath nothing to rest upon for his provision in this world more than the creature. Fifthly, an earthly-minded man or woman is one whose great business of his heart and endeavours of his life are about the things of the earth. He makes it his great business, and the strong endeavours of his spirit are exercised in the things of the earth. He eagerly and greedily works with the strongest intention about these things. His whole soul, the whole man, is laid out about the world. It is the adequate object of his soul. You will say, other men, they are busy in their callings as well as these that you account earthly-minded men. Ay, but mark, they are busy about their callings in obedience to God, and for outward things set aside their obedience to God. Then, I say, all the things that they busy themselves about in the world were not under that consideration that they were obeying God in it. They would not be adequate objects for their souls. I mean by an adequate object that is sufficient to take up the whole strength of the soul, to lay it out fully. I'll give you this similitude to express my mind further, to show you what I mean by an adequate object. You have a little child, he is playing at sports. Now this sport, it hath as much in it as there is in his spirit. There is a kind of equality between his spirit and such sport. There is benefit enough a child conceives in such a sport as it's worth the laying out of all his strength and might upon it. Now it may be, sometimes a man or woman will play with their child, they will do as the child doth play with it. But this sport, it's not an adequate object. That's thus a man or woman, for the while, would please themselves with the child, but not so as if there were as much good in this as would fill their souls, so as they would lay out all their mind and might upon this thing, as that is fully adequate to the desires of their soul. But sport is fully adequate to the desires of the soul of the child. But though a man or woman doth sport so with the child, yet these things are not fully adequate to the desires of a man or woman, and they have other matters in their heads than these, and businesses of a higher nature, and so it is in those that are not earthly-minded, though they may be busied about the things of this world, yet they use the world as if they used it not. The things of the world are not objects adequate to their hearts. A spiritual heart reserves the chief strength of it for higher things." I follow these things in the world, but so as I reserve the chief strength for a more desirable good. As a man now, if he hath diverse friends to come to him, perhaps he hath some of an ordinary rank, they come first, he makes ordinary provisions for them, but if he hath any choice things for entertainment, he reserves them for some choice friends that are coming to him. So a man that is not of the world, though he may be busy in earthly things, yet the choice of his heart he both reserve for things of a higher nature. I remember Tertullian hath a speech of the Christians, how they eat and drank. When they supped, they eat and drank, saith he, so as they remembered they were to pray that night before they slept. So a gracious spiritual heart follows his outward business in the world, but so as he remembers he is to converse with God that night before he sleeps, so that he reserves the strength of his spirit for communion with God. But now the other lays out all his strength as having nothing to do afterwards so that in this an earthly and a spiritual heart are quite contrary. The apostle, you know, would have godly men to use the world as if they used it not. So, on the contrary, an earthly-minded man uses spiritual things as if he used them not. Look how an earthly-minded man's heart is in spiritual things, so a spiritual mind is in earthly things. An earthly-minded man will do some things that are spiritual, he will come and hear the word, perhaps he will pray in his family and read a chapter, Ay, but his heart is not much there. He doth it as he did it not. 
comes and hears as if he heard not and prays as if he prayed not he makes it not his business to pray or hear so a spiritual-minded man he doth the things of the world but as if he did them not i mean in comparison of his being busy in spiritual things there he doth it with all his might an earthly-minded man is like to Korob, dathan and abiram we read of them that they were swallowed up of the earth and so the truth is the things of the earth contentments provision for themselves and families in earthly things doth as it were open and swallow up the very hearts of earthly-minded men and that's the fifth thing for the description of earthly-mindedness sixthly but suppose a man doth not seem to be so strongly intent to lay out his whole strength and heart about earthly things yet when any man or woman shall seek any earthly thing for itself observe it and not in subordination to some higher good this is an earthly-minded man so far as this prevails in the second corinthians four eighteen our apostle paul speaks there of the things that are seen that are but temporal while we look not at the things that are seen for the things that are seen are earthly and temporal the word is as much as to say while we do not look as our scope upon temporal and earthly things that are seen we do not make them our end but we seek them in subordination there is somewhat else that we look at higher in all these things as for instance a man that is godly he follows his business as other men do but what is it that he would have it's this i show my obedience to god and i would provide those things that may be helpful to me to serve god in my generation that's my end i can appeal to god in this that even in the following my business and all outward things it is that i might follow god in the use of means for the providing of such things as may enable me to serve him the more in my generation this is my scope in what i do but now on the other side an earthly-minded man makes his scope this he will follow his business and look about the business of his calling that he might gain he would get that he might get he would have more that he might have more and that he and his children might be somebody in the world and it may be that he might have enough to have his will and lusts therefore he follows his business very intent merely that he may get to satisfy the flesh yea indeed all the good things that he doth he brings them in subordination to earthly things you may take it thus a spiritual man doth not seek earthly things for himself but an earthly man doth or thus more fully you may make it a distinct head if you will an earthly man is earthly in all he doth do both in earthly and spiritual things and a spiritual-minded man is spiritual in all he doth, both in spiritual and in earthly things. An earthly man, when he is in earthly things, he is altogether earthly. He looks not at obedience to God in what he doth, as thus, I'll follow my calling because God hath required it. But an earthly man thinketh, I'll follow it because I see gain come in by it. This is earth, though the things be lawful, and it's your duty to follow your calling. But to follow it merely for gain, this is earthly. But because it is your duty and the place god hath set you in that's spiritualness in earthly things an earthly man is earthly in earthly things and he is more earthly in spiritual things when he performs spiritual duties he hath an earthly end in it either to get esteem from men or to cover some evil or merely for form and fashion he doth it in an earthly way and it may be at the most that that he doth do it is but merely for his own quiet and to satisfy his own conscience he is earthly in spiritual things but now a spiritual man is spiritual in earthly things one of a spiritual mind is more heavenly and spiritual when he is about his calling though the meanest as hedging or ditching or when he is pulling his ropes and lines 
or using his axe or hammer, he is more spiritual, I say, than, than an earthly man is when he is praying or hearing or receiving sacraments. Certainly it is so, and it will be found to be so at the great day of judgment, when the secrets of all hearts shall be disclosed. That's the sixth thing, when a man seeks earthly things for himself. And that that we may add as a seventh is, that he is earthly in spiritual things. I grant that the best of the saints may have some earthliness in spiritual things, but I speak of the predominancy. It's that that doth rule in the heart, so that in the performance of spiritual things his very ends are but earthly, and the frame of his heart is but earthly in spiritual performances. The eighth thing wherein we may find an earthly-minded man is this, that he passes through many and great difficulties in matters of the earth, and they are very little to him. And though he hath a great deal of toil for the matters of the earth, yet he is never weary with it, because he is in his proper element, and therefore let there be what difficulties there will be, which to another man would be very great, he makes of them as nothing, and though there be much toil and labour, yet he is not weary. Why? Because he is in his own element. The fish is not weary with swimming, but a man is quickly weary. Ay, but the fish is in its element, and a man is not. So, I beseech you, observe this, when a man's spirit is in this kind of temper, let him but be busied about earthly things, wherein earthly advantage comes in. No difficulties will hinder him, no wind or weather. He will rise in cold mornings and go abroad, do anything in the world. Oh, what difficulties will men endure in storms at sea, and hazards there, and troubles at land, many ways for things of the earth, and sit up late and rise early and toil themselves, and complain of no weariness nor no difficulties. But now let them come but to spiritual things, to soul businesses that concern God and their spiritual estates. Every little difficulty puts them aside and discourages them. Every molehill is a mountain in their way. I would do so and so indeed, but tis so hard, and tis tedious to rise in a morning, especially in cold winter's morning. It is very hard and difficult to read and pray, and so he is complaining of the difficulty of these things. And to watch over the heart, it's a mighty difficulty. To an earthly man any spiritual thing is difficult, and the difficulties doth discourage him, and in spiritual things, oh, how weary they are, as they are in the first of Micah 13, they cried out, what a weariness is it! But in the business of the world they can follow it from morning to night, they are never tired, they can work, as we say sometimes of men, like a horse, and yet never out of breath. Oh, I would but desire you try your hearts once, but to endeavour to spend one Sabbath exactly, and see what a weariness that would be to you. Resolve but one Sabbath to rise early in the morning, and to have your thoughts spiritual and heavenly as much as you can, and then get up and pray alone in your closet. Then read and hear and meditate and mark what you hear, and when you go home think of it and confer about it, and when you come again attend upon the word, and so spend the whole day in hearing, reading, meditating, and conference about good things calling your family to account and praying again, and see how tiresome this will be unto your hearts if they be carnal. But now a spiritual heart will call the Sabbath a delight unto it, and the Sabbath unto such an one is no other than the type and forerunner of that eternal day of rest it shall enjoy in the kingdom of heaven. One that is spiritual accounts the Sabbath to be a day of rest, but an earthly man is quickly tired of spiritual things. He will give over his work and not go through it. We read in the fourth of Nehemiah, Sixth verse, Nehemiah, having spoken of the great difficulties that they met with all in their work, and yet, saith he, the work went on, for they had a mind to it. So look how a man's mind is. 
so he will be able to go through his work if a man be an earthly-minded man such a man will go through stitch with his work if he take up business for the world he will go through with it for he hath a mind to it he is a man of an earthly mind but let him take in hand a spiritual work and he will lay it aside before it be half done he will seldom bring to perfection any spiritual work why because he hath no mind to it whereas were the heart spiritual and there were any spiritual work undertaken such a one would go through with it till all was finished another note about the description of an earthly-minded man is this an earthly-minded man is one that doth conceive of the most heavenly truths that are revealed in the word in an earthly way according to his mind his genius and disposition of his own heart and i verily think this is in a special manner meant in this place for the apostle is speaking of those that did oppose him in his ministry and that were enemies to the cross of christ now saith he these mind earthly things their minds are of an earthly temper and therefore no marvel as if he should say though they do not savour those heavenly and spiritual truths that we bring to them for their minds being earthly they only apprehend those things after an earthly manner as now what was the great truth that the apostle did bring to the philippians it was the way of reconciling the world to god of making our peace with god and of our justification through jesus christ now there is no point of religion more spiritual heavenly and divine than the doctrine of reconciliation and of justification by jesus christ so that one that is of an earthly disposition though he may be convinced of a necessity of pardon of sin and peace with god yet he apprehends the making of his peace with god and obtaining pardon of his sin but in an earthly manner he hath carnal thoughts and apprehensions about his peace with god and about obtaining pardon of sin he thinks it is the same way that one obtains peace with another when he is fallen out and of getting pardon from another man that he hath offended he conceives it in an earthly way he looks upon his making peace with god by something that he himself must perform but for the point of free justification by the grace of god in christ it's too divine spiritual and heavenly for an earthly-minded man to apprehend in the spiritualness of it an earthly-minded man his apprehensions of god are but in a carnal earthly way as the prophet speaks in the first of isaiah the ox knows his master and the ass his master's crib even after that manner doth an earthly-minded man know god as an ox his master and the ass his master's crib as thus the ox knows his owner because he brings him fodder daily so an earthly-minded man hath no other apprehensions of god but this he thinks god gives him good things in this world god makes his corn to grow or prospers his voyage an earthly-minded man may rise so high to have apprehensions of god as bringing good things unto him here on earth but one that is spiritual and heavenly doth apprehend god as god doth not look upon god merely as good in respect of the benefit he receives from god here but he looks upon god as he is in himself he sees the face of god as there's a great deal of difference between a man that knows another man and a beast that knows a man the ox knows his master the ox knows the man that brings hay or provender to him but a man knows a man in another way knows what the nature of a man is knows what it is to be a rational creature so one that is spiritual knows what god is in himself he sees the face of god and understands what god is in another way than others do the difference between the knowledge of god that a spiritual soul hath and one that is pure in heart and the knowledge of god that an earthly heart hath is just so much difference as comes to this 
as the ox knows the man that drives him to fat pastures, so doth an earthly man know God that gives him good things. But a spiritual heart knows God as one man knows another, not in his full excellency, I mean not so, but there is such a kind of difference in some degree between the apprehensions of God in a spiritual heart and the apprehensions of God in an earthly heart and so we might mention in many other spiritual and divine truths that an earthly mind doth apprehend but in an earthly way consider of heaven itself how doth an earthly mind apprehend it he apprehends that he shall be delivered from pain and shall have some kind of glory but knows not what it is conceives it according to the way of earth some pompous gloating thing that he shall live in pleasures and not in pain and so apprehends all the glory of heaven but in sensuality whereas a spiritual heart looks at heaven in another kind of notion he looks upon the enjoyment of communion with god and jesus christ in heaven and living in the life of god in heaven that's a thing that an earthly heart hath no skill at all in neither doth such an heart so much as savour it thus i have in these several particulars discovered what an earthly-minded man is oh that you would lay your hand upon your heart and every one of you consider how far these things do reach you but i have besides these diverse other convincements to convince the consciences of men and women that yet there is much earthliness in them but of them we shall treat of in their order afterwards the second head to consider is this the great evil that there is in earthly mindedness they mind earthly things is that any such great matter you will say indeed we cannot imagine the transcendency of the evil that is in this we think there's a great deal of evil in swearing, whoring, drinking, and such kind of scandalous sins, and indeed there is. But to have an earthly mind, we do not think this to be so exceeding evil. Yet you will find that the Scripture doth speak most dreadful things about this, and if God please to set them home upon your hearts, I hope there is much glory may come to God by it, and much good unto you in particular. End of chapter 2